Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. It's hard to believe that we're closing out our first series since relaunch already, and wow, do we have an exceptional story to finish off strong. Our guiding quote for this agility series has been, success today requires the agility and drive to constantly rethink, reinvigorate, react, and reinvent. That is Bill Gates. I've had today's guest on my podcast before with her co-authors from our first book, but we never had an individual conversation, and to say that she blessed me with this interview is not even touching the surface of truth. When I first decided to relaunch, it was this guest story who pressed me to take each step forward to get the podcast up and running. As I watched her story of agility navigating through personal trial, I knew I had to hear her story. And I also know that you are meant to hear it today, my friends. What a true blessing that she would make space for us. Dr. Rachel George thought education was the last place she would end up while she was fighting wild land fires with the U.S. Forest Service. It wasn't until a hard conversation with the base manager in Grangeville, Idaho, did Rachel realize she needed to put her chainsaw down and make a bigger impact on the world. Rachel is a member of the ASCD Emerging Leaders Class of 2015 and currently serves as the principal of Sandy Grade School in Oregon Trail School District. Over the past six years, Sandy Grade School has moved from being one of the lowest ranked elementary schools in the state of Oregon to performing on the 20% of elementary schools. Sandy Grade School has been recognized by International Center for Leadership and Education, ICLE, as a model school for closing the achievement gap. Prior to serving as an elementary principal, she was a middle school principal of an outstanding and two-time level five model school as recognized by the state of Oregon. Rachel specializes in curriculum development, instructional improvement, as well as working with at-risk students and closing the achievement gap. She also has co-authored two books. She leads The Women's Guide to a Career in Educational Leadership with Maya Lise Tolan and Principled, Navigating the Leadership Learning Curve with Kate Barker and Courtney Ferrua. In this episode, we discussed Dr. Rachel's current agility to navigate through grief in a stunningly beautiful way, and she pays deep honor to her late husband, John George, as she shares her individual process for learning how to lead in all spaces she does without, as she says, her best friend. Dr. Rachel shares more about her latest book, She Leads, and we hear great wisdom from her around the topic of leading from your space of joy and passion. Friends, this episode got right into my heart, and I could feel my throat tighten with emotion all throughout it. And yet we had moments of laughter and joy mixed in to demonstrate in real time that agility, as well as the truth that grief is not linear. I am so deeply inspired by Rachel, and I believe firmly that you were meant to hear her story today. It is with a joyful heart and a strong sense of purpose that I share with you Dr. Rachel George's agility story. Welcome, Dr. Rachel George, to the In Awe Podcast. Boy, are my listeners in for a treat today. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here with you, friends. Well, I have to just, first of all, this has been a long time coming. You and I both know that. (laughs) I have been on a hiatus on this podcast. And when I've thought about the people to get featured as quickly as possible, now that it's been kicked back up, you were absolutely number one on the list. There's no question about that. So I just appreciate you making space during this very busy time of a school year to have this conversation with me. Oh, you are most welcome. I love following you on social media and all your adventures. So 
always a pleasure. Oh my goodness. Talk about adventures. Well, let's get into your story. But first, if you could do me a favor, I did go ahead and read your official bio at the beginning, but would you just provide a little bit of context for Rachel George's life right now here in August of 2022? What are you currently up to? What am I not up to? Which is a lot because I'm learning to say no. Um, So I can go deeper and just be real present. So right now on the docket, I just wrapped up an amazing day with all of my elementary principals in my district. Um, I did a retreat here at my house, which if you know me, I don't do hosting very well. So that was totally outside my comfort zone, but it was a fabulous low key time. And we had some thunder and lightning going on, which we did three years ago on the same day, which is pretty (laughs) interesting. I live like 15 minutes from the ski slopes to my front door. So I live up in the woods. So it makes sense that, you know, it's August. So we have some thunderstorms going on. Um, I work in Oregon. I work at the district office supporting principals and educators. And then I also am really involved in NAESP as a fellow and state rep, which I just love. That's one of my favorite organizations. Um, An author, co-author of Principal Navigating the Leadership Learning Curve. And then also she leads um, both by DBC. Uh, She leads was written with a dear friend of mine, my Elise Tolan. Um, Do some amazing consulting and coaching through uh, Doug Rees and Creative Leadership Solutions. And I just love education. It's a huge passion. It's something that can change the world and have such a wide impact and change souls, man. There's not a a better gig out there to help support leaders, help support kids and create the world we want it to be. So exciting times. I love it. Um, yeah. So I love how you were able to just string all those high impact roles together and very quick (laughs) overview. Um, So obviously listeners know that you have a huge level of responsibility in so many different areas of your life and you take that with great passion. We have had Dr. Rachel on the podcast before, so I will link that in the show notes to make sure you get to hear about your first book, Principled, with your two other amazing co-authors. And of course, we're going to be able to talk a little bit about She Leads today. We want to make sure that we pump that book up because hello, here Mm -hmm. on the In Awe podcast, we believe in amplifying women's stories and you have done such a beautiful job of that in this text. So we're going to get to that. But before we dive in, I'm just curious. So I specifically set these um, series features by month. And as I said, you were number one on my list. I'm just curious when I approached you asking you to be on the agility series, what does the word agility mean to you? (laughs) I think it probably represents my whole life right now, (laughs) to be honest. Um, You know, when I think of agility, I think of agile and movement. And it's not like a linear path. It's back and forth, almost like you're playing dodgeball. um, And you don't know where the ball is coming from. Uh, So that's definitely been a trend personally and professionally over the last um, two years. And you know, you might think that's due to COVID and it totally isn't connected back to COVID um, or the pandemic or the craziness in education at all. Um, You know, I just had some career opportunities that opened at times that I wasn't expecting them and not through the avenue that I anticipated and not on the time frame either. And you always kind of wonder, do I take the step or not? And coupled with that, you know, was really trying to navigate um, some really big illness and, and health concerns that my husband had. And he just recently uh, passed away and he was a middle school principal and darn, darn him. Like he literally like passed away right at the end of the school year, like classic, classic educator, just finishing out uh, the school year. And 
I think through all of those, agility has been the only way to get through it um, while really relying on resources and connection and support and networking and people and being surrounded by a really strong community. Um, because otherwise there's no, there's no way through it. And it's been um, something that I've had to be really open to. I think sometimes we get in very linear paths, like paths, and we think that it's step one, step two, or this is the way it's supposed to go or not. And um, holy moly, life does not go how we necessarily anticipate it. And so then you're left with that response of how do I, how do I move forward or what do I do? And just really, you know, Agility really embodies that journey I've been on personally and professionally. Well, so for sure, uh, everything that you've said, first of all, I'm so sorry. And I've shared this with you and I know to hear about your husband and that was um, not, you know, an easy piece of news to receive and watch happen to you. And, you know, to him, obviously, John being highly impactful and influential and you two really leaving a beautiful ripple together as a team too. So I just Mm -hmm. want to acknowledge that very challenging circumstance in your life. And just to say, bless you as you move through that grief and uh, friends, it's, you shared with me prior, is it okay for me to share that it's been two months today? Yeah. On the dot, which brought up some tears as we were talking, but, and that's okay. Right. That's, it's a part of growing through it and grieving and boy, that's not linear. (laughs) That's messy. (laughs) That's stupid. Hey, Mm -hmm. I love that graphic where it says what grief you think a grief is going to be. And then what it is, where it's the straight line. And, you know, you think you go through these stages and all of a sudden, you know, people who have, and which is all of us, by the way, experienced grief, you know, that it really isn't. And those zigzags really do require that agility. But I love that example you gave about dodgeball. um, Because (laughs) And, and then also layering that on the fact that you're like, well, you'd think it was COVID, but not really. But knowing that you had all of those things and on COVID was the backdrop is just deeply inspiring because so many of us struggle with simply that without the added elements that you'd been challenged with. So super powerful uh, message already. Would you just be willing to dive in a little bit? Um, Can we talk about, since we're here, the agility piece to me, you know, sometimes you can predict and sometimes you can't. And one of the things that is super inspiring about this chapter that you're in right now is the way that you have been able to step away and process in these past two months. Do you want to share at all about that with the listeners? Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting in the book, she leads my Elise and others shared stories about how it's okay to not be okay. And I think I had a story in there that I thought did justice to this where like as an elementary principal and just being like a lone administrator, which being an administrator can be very lonely at times. And was crying in my office and then a teacher walked in. I thought I was like completely alone and how I was just like embarrassed to cry. And I like blamed it completely on allergies. And my Lisa story was around when a student passed away in her building and how she managed that. And um been reminded of it that there's so many different levels of it's okay to not be okay. And I'm really, really incredibly thankful that I've, I've been working with a fantastic counselor as, you know, John's health was struggling and declining and we knew things were terminal. And as I've 
continued to work really closely with her. She's probably like the best uh, counselor that I've ever had, in fact. Um, and so during the three months, we thought John was going to last probably only about two weeks. And he's one tough guy. He lasted three months um, from that last terminal news. And it gave a lot of opportunity for us to be able to process with my counselor, but also with him of like, how, how do you move forward? How do you shift? Especially when you thought maybe you had three to five years and it ends up, you only have a couple weeks. Um, or how do you shift to when it's your best friend and your colleague and someone that you work with, like John proofread all my stuff, you know, we presented <laughs> together all the time. We were, um, two peas in a pod with all of our state association stuff. So like, who do you call? Like, and I talk about in principle, like hiding in the bathroom, <laughs> like in calling like administrators. Well, I was calling him because he knew what to do. And I'm like, who do I, who do I call now when a, a parent says they're going to sue me? <laughs> and I don't know if that's true or not. And what, what do I say? And so being able to really work through of like, it's okay to not be okay. How do you give yourself space and grace? How do you sit in the yuck? Because our gut reaction oftentimes is just to plow through or keep working and stuff things. And um, his message to me, it was funny. I, well, I think it's funny. Like the first piece of advice was like, Rachel, you don't know anything. <laughs> I do know things. He's like, I know, but you're not always right. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Which I wanted to argue with, which might've been like an indication that he was spot on. Um, but the second piece was that like, I needed to continue to keep moving forward and living life and, um, and being okay. And that was one of the biggest hopes and dreams that he had. And then it was really trying to figure out how, how do you do that? And oftentimes we, again, just stuff it. I think the counseling conversation I had last week was I've had a lot of different folks come up to me and they're like, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing. Like you're busy. And I'm like, no, I'm not busy. I'm intentionally active with things that I want to do and not doing things that I don't want to do. And there's a lot that I don't care about anymore. Um, and how am I choosing to live my life? And am I living it vibrantly uh, with intention and with presence? And am I seizing the moment to do some awesome stuff? And that's been some of the hardest pieces. So I really kind of stepped back from work and really dove into myself and have had a lot of time by myself, but also a lot of time with friends as I try to process and sit and just be and also let go of what people think um, and stop fixating on those components. And so that's, it's been a really interesting journey. And I use the word interesting because I don't really know what to use instead of that. Um, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting journey that shifts and I don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, mm -hmm. and so that's also another fascinating piece. I know it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting and it's going to be scary and a little full of nerves, but it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to make sure it's going to be beautiful. There's like a quote that says that oftentimes some of our biggest worst storms end up clearing a path for some of the most amazing, beautiful things ever in our life. Um, and I would say that that's a moment like right now, but there's some amazing things that are going to happen. I don't know what those are, but they're going to be good. They're going to be good. And I'm going to be open to what those might be even though they might not be in my mind right now. <laughs>
Yes. Just that willingness to acknowledge the shifts that you've had to already make. But I loved hearing you say that you're, you know, shutting out what the outside world is, or at least what you perceive they're thinking in this time. And, you know, people always with probably the best of intentions will say things, as you said, like, I don't know how you're doing this. And, and you just, you just shutting that out and any perception of what you think they might be meaning, because what I'm seeing is you living your best life in the honor and in a way of making the shift that is so important because it is final. And though it's sad, mm-hmm. so sad, um, you had the opportunity to talk this through with the person that loved you deeply mm-hmm. and not everybody gets that opportunity. So to hear you say that you're living with intention and you're saying yes to the things that give you life and being able to put up those boundaries and say no to the things that just, they don't have your heart right now. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Like it's a good life lesson for us, no matter if we're going through major trauma and grief, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting because it's also opened up a whole, like, I feel like I've gotten hours back in my life and I have lots of things that I choose to invest my time and energy in, especially around education because I'm very passionate and motivated and excited about it. But there's pieces that I'm not. And by saying no, I got to tell you, like not working until late, late, late into the evening or on the weekends. And now I'm like, what am I going to do with my time? What, how am I Mm. actually going to live like and develop things? And so like picked up mountain biking and haven't done mountain biking in like over 10 years, you know, like getting back into rock climbing and trail running, like just recentering myself. And that's nerve nerve wracking and a little scary, but also really exciting. And it feels really good. It feels really good. It's like reconnecting with your passions that you had before education mm-hmm. became that saturated yeah, space. Maybe completely because it bless its heart, but it can suck us in, right? <laughs> it can suck <laughs> us in and we're so dedicated and we view ourselves as educators yeah. and that's who we are. Right. And that it, we got to separate to some level and truly live. That was another piece of advice he gave me um, after he told me that I didn't know anything or that I needed to remember. I don't know everything um, was to not work as much, um, which really was a good gut punch, which I thought I was pretty good at managing time um, and having a great personal life where I played really hard and also worked really hard. And even pulling back on some of those pieces, like how can I create more space and live? And now also trying to live without your best friend. I think you have uh, about 1000 listeners that want to be your best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I needed like a, I need a ghost editor. uh, So that's on the table. He used to proofread all my blogs and articles. So if you're interested in helping with that, (laughs) reach out. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So listeners, that's a call to action here on the in podcast to be her editor. That's fantastic. There you go. <laughs> well, and so I love that you are so open and I just want to thank you for that and honor that. And also just graciously, thank you for sharing some of John with us. Um, I think that it's really important that when we have people who pass from this life, that we never stop saying their name. Right. Totally. Like, yes. Yes. 
completely agree. He's very much still here with you, you know, and that memory and honoring him means being able to continue in your own comfort level to speak that. And that's really inspiring on its own, Rachel. Thank you. You know, it's interesting. Um, interesting and interesting. My, my favorite words right now. Um, but my, my keynotes have dramatically changed content slide presentation, same, but my stories, he's like so much more intermixed with all of that. Um, and you know, it's not a sad piece. It actually motivates me and inspires me and really fills me with love. And it's been well received by, by folks I've been working with where it's just transparent and real, especially like, what are we doing with our lives? People like you die, they fill your job like the next day. <laughs> you mm. go out and leave someone like, how are we spending our time with intentionality and how are we taking care of ourselves? Because I think we grind a lot in education with the thought and intent that we're going to retire. And there's a lot of folks that don't make it to retirement or they do. And then something medically happens to them. Like we can't wait to live our lives. Like we really just have to seize the moment right now. And I think some of us aren't. In fact, I said that during a keynote and ironically, um, I think half the group didn't go to the breakout session afterwards. I think they left to go like explore the city. Oh. So, <laughs> like to say, maybe I motivated them to seize the moment. I'm not sure, but, um, I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> no, that is real time evidence of impact. That's totally the way. Yeah. Well, and it's so fascinating to me because you're just helping me see this too. We say all the time with our, you know, going beyond balance message, do you're, you're replaceable at work. You're not replaceable at home. And you're sharing with us that side of it that yes, you've, you're working through this in the most healthy way that you can. You're engaging with a counselor. You're traveling and spending time in silence and with people that you care about. But at the end of the day, he's not replaceable mm -hmm. in your life. And yet there's a person leading his school. <laughs> <laughs> and she's amazing. She, sure. she is amazing. But we, we all at some level or another, right, are replaceable to some aspect and then not in others. And I think we need to give thought and some point of, points of reflection to how that transpires and looks at our life, like with kids and families and dear friends and our loved ones. Well, and to get back to this agility piece, I think it's really inspiring. And honestly, this is the conversation that uh, throughout the interviews this month has come up because our lives are not linear. And we often believe that lie uh, that's perpetuated at some point that you, it is, it's the next step. It's you start out in a position and then you got to go to the next level. And then there's, you're going to add this, whatever that looks like for you or for us. Right. But all of the guests this month, and interestingly, I had this conversation today with uh, my new library mm -hmm. aide as she found herself shocked to be in this position, but grateful to be and stating that, you know, you, we have to be able to embrace the shift that's meant for us. And that's so hard because we got to get out of our own way most of the time <laughs> to do that. Yes. Yes. Um, I was walking out of a school board meeting yesterday and one of our directors was like, so are you getting back into a, a new norm, new routine? Because it's only about like week two for me back in the office. Otherwise, it's been like remote and such. And I said, yeah, because I, I don't have another choice. I would love to throw a tantrum and be super upset and like throw myself down on the ground and be like done with it. But 
ironically, it's not going to fix this. So I have to be open to rethinking it and finding what works and how I can shift and pivot and be agile and in adjusting even when it sucks and there's no other option to still find beauty in it Mm. and to grow through it. Well, if you need me mm-hmm. to fly over and visit with you and let you have a tantrum and just kind of hold the shade over, that's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll fly back out to you, too. It will make it. Sounds go good. <laughs> I, I just think you I, I know we didn't necessarily plan to hang there so much, but I just do think it's really, really powerful and a huge part of the message right now that your life is a mission and not that you chose it by any means, but here you are living it the best you can right now and learning to dodge those balls coming right at you. Mm-hmm. So we have got to talk a little bit more about She Leads. You've done such a great job of kind of tossing in that you shared this story. But when listeners come to this message, first of all, I'm so grateful that you and my Elise wrote this book. Um, you know, we do not have enough messages out there for specifically for women educational leadership. And we know that it is different um, for women. And if anybody listening that offended you, well, get used to it because the end of the podcast is going to be real and (laughs) it is not the same experience. Um, So grateful that you did that. Can you just share with us what like started this mission for you and Maya Lise to take this up and write it? women in leadership positions has always completely fascinated me. Um, Spending 11 years in fire, there weren't a lot of women leaders and the dynamic that played out in front was very fascinating, very dynamic, ever changing. And I ended up finding a really close group of, of girlfriends that really helped lift each other up, empower each other and really just huge cheerleaders. And I thought as I entered into education that it was going to be very different, right? Like I had viewed at the time education as like a female based (laughs) occupation and career field. And my mom, who is an elementary principal, tried to tell me that that was completely inaccurate. And, um, I was actually shocked. She was, she was spot on. I guess this is where you shouldn't question your mom that moms do know things, right? (laughs) Uh, but there were just so many women in the teacher ranks, even at the elementary level, it didn't transpire to their building principal. And it was really fascinating and just coming from a really strong women advocate lens and empowerment and leadership perspective. Um, it really got me wondering. And I met Maya Elise through our state organization and she's a very strong independent thinker, amazing dynamic principal and director. And we were talking, um, about the need for really supporting women in leadership positions, particularly in education. And we had had a conversation with Beth about, you know, these guidebooks, there's so many amazing lenses, but what about the women in educational leadership and how do we get more people there? Because as the workforce grows, or maybe in the last year or so people have left, um, the, the percentage of women within principal spots and superintendent levels, it's not been proportionate to what we desire and what we believe to be true and be important. And so I thought it was real important to be able to 
represent and lift up educational leaders um, from across the nation. And we also realized that um, as two white females, that we definitely didn't have the same experiences of uh, women of color or different sexual orientations or backgrounds throughout the nation. And so it was really important to us to be able to lift them up, empower them, let them share their story of how they've overcome obstacles and challenges so we can learn from each other because it's a very incredibly powerful way um, to learn and to grow and to help us navigate these curves and um, paths and jungle gyms of sorts as we really try to navigate getting um, into a position where we can help support and lift other people up too, right? Because that's our job of helping pay it forward. So we crafted this to to do just that, to be able to inspire, motivate, to help speak and uh, fill up women, but not just actually, we should say not just women, but also help men and, and others that are in education really understand some of the diverse challenges that they face um, and some of the insecurities mm. and obstacles that maybe aren't so apparent or obvious. Uh, it's interesting because we have a lot of women that will attend our breakout sessions and keynotes and only maybe one or two men will. And their response is when they're told by females, hey, you need to come with me, come with me. Or, hey, you need to read this book. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I get it all. But, you know, mm. <laughs> do we ever really get it all? No. <laughs> Just like, uh, right, you, you gave me the great advice, Rachel. I think you might want to go go back and read that chapter. I think there are messages that never get old and that we need to revisit and retell ourselves because our inner dialogue often changes. And there's barriers and roadblocks that are put up without being intentional or malicious. And I think the more we can be conscientious and remove obstacles, the better off education is going to be, the better off students will be, and we can help support those women leaders. Oh, uh, you know, a thousand percent agree. And I think I love that you said there at the end that just retelling yourself this information is critical because we are so societally normed, you know, all genders for perceptions of what it should be. And, you know, it never fails to surprise me, frustrate me when I have a male colleague who is just shocked by the lived experience or wants to counter, right? Oh, but could you ever thought about this way? Why does it have to be a gender thing? It's like, cause it is <laughs> mm-hmm. like when I go purchase and I know, you know, this, that, uh, you know, when I go purchase a vehicle, I'm treated, I'm looked at differently than my husband is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that is absolutely real in 2022. And so it's not, it's all of these things that leak from society into the structures of our schools, which are microcosms of our society. And I love how mm-hmm. you said that you came out of this industry with the fire. And of course, like instantly you're going, okay, you expect that to be challenging in terms of gender expectations, but you didn't for education because it, you know, so many of the teaching force is female, but we know, like you said, the data is very different for higher levels of leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for a being a model for high levels of leadership and living that so that people can look to you to aspire. But being, I would say that um, this message is so powerful. Friends, you have got to get it. I will link how to get it. But there's, um, you know, elements here where you you're meant, were mentored by you just reading about the lived experiences and the stories, people that you share. There's a sponsorship that's embedded in here too when you talk about building a network and that you're encouraging people to very intentionally support women to rise to leadership roles. And that doesn't happen unless you're willing to influence the structure around you. Mm-hmm. Completely. Love it. 
Love the message. Love the book. Thank you for writing it. Yeah. Thank you. We're very thankful for all of our contributors and all the diverse voices. Just an incredible gem. Yeah, it's a, it's great. So um, I could talk about that forever. <laughs> So we'll move off of it for, for now. And here we are at the end of our interview. I just want to thank you so genuinely. I'm going to ask my two questions, but before I do that, your story is so powerful and we didn't even touch, like we got our toes in the water in terms of your agility. And I completely understand that and just want to thank you. And of course, we'll have to probably have you back on the podcast at some point, (laughs) right? Anytime, friend. (laughs) Love it. So can you do me a favor and answer these two standard questions that we come so used to hearing on the show? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? (laughs) Um, You better seatbelt yourself in, girl, because it is going to get a little rocky and a little sassy and you don't know what you're in store for. But no, it's going to be beautiful. Trust the process and go big. Go big. Don't settle for less. I feel like you've taken that advice. I tell myself that every day, but I've also had some amazing people remind me about it and, you know, fill my, fill my soul with it. So I'm sure other people need to hear it too. For sure. So speaking about that, I know we have listeners that have found themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they're hearing you today and they just need to hear from you again. How can they rise up out of that? What would you say? I think the reminders of remembering to breathe remembering that you have a lot of strength within yourself that you often don't give yourself credit for. You're a lot stronger than you really think you are. Um, you can do amazing things and to leap. I love Mel Robbins with her countdown. So great strategies. Why don't you share that? Ah, yes. Um, so oftentimes we get a little intimidated to lean in or make decisions, um, or get motivated to maybe get, get up out of bed and get working out. Um, so to count down from five, four, three, two, one. And then she talks about once you hit that one, that it's like a rocket ship and you're just catapulted into it and you're going to lean into the conversation or share that tip and strategy, or, you know, use your voice at the boardroom table, uh, whatever that might be that you're struggling to just get started with. Um, that countdown process is just incredibly helpful. That's awesome. And I know there's a listener that's like, okay, got it. If Rachel can <laughs> count down and do this, so can I, right? Yes. Oh my goodness. I just have to thank you again so much for making the space here. You had this retreat this morning and all the things that go with that. And then you're here talking to me tonight. And I'm just so deeply grateful for you. I'm, um, you know, watching your journey and deeply inspired by you and just keep going. Your life is a mission, my friend. And I'm so grateful to be living at the same time as you to watch that. No, thank you. Sending you a big hug right now. Oh, thank you. Okay, so listeners, they I'm I've told you I will link everything in the show notes uh to to get um in touch with both books by Rachel and any other way that you can communicate. What would be the best way for them to interact with you after the show? Yeah. Um I am on Twitter, Dr. Rachel George, um also on Facebook and not super good on the gram. Instagram I probably need to work on a little bit, but 
you can catch me on Twitter. <laughs> Do you know that's okay? It's boundaries. We don't need to be everywhere all the time. Completely. Twitter's yes. good. Okay. Well, I'm sending you that hug right back, my friend. And I'm just um, praying for you and wishing all of the beautiful signs and messages that are going to come your way for this upcoming year. And thank you again for being such an inspiring story for us on the show. Thank you. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.